Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Even if we miss a shot, like we gotta be able to close defensively. We gotta be able to get hits. We gotta be able to, you know, when the team gets second look, we play good defense, and then we give them another look, and it's hard. You know, it's a guard three times in one possession. So um, we gotta get hits, man. We gotta box out. We gotta get back in transition, and also we gotta turn the stop turn the ball up. That makes it harder for us to get back in transition. So once we do that, we'll be in better shape. That was Quinn Snyder. Oh wait, that wasn't Quinn Snyder. That was Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> he could have been Quinn Snyder, right? Because those are the exact same things that Quinn Snyder said after the loss the other night to Memphis. And Donovan Mitchell, when it was his turn to speak, went right down the checklist. No surprise there. They tend to be on the same page. And Mitchell talking about what the Jazz need to do to improve. And the great thing about the NBA is uh, when you lose, hold on. Because probably within 48 hours, you're going to get another chance to rectify that loss. That's exactly what the Jazz have. Because they're 11 and 6, and they travel tonight to Oklahoma City. Obviously, they're already there, and they play the Thunder. Thunder's not a great team by any stretch. Young, looking for the future with all those draft picks and all. So the Jazz need to be able to get this win here. You don't want to go to 11 and 7. Come on, let's get get going here. Tip off set for 6 p.m. with the hour time difference. Coverage here on the Zone will begin at 5 p.m. with Jazz game night pregame show. With our guys, Jake Scott and Tim McComb. Check it out. Stars were in action last night. They lost 122-119 to 119 to the John Stockton Kings. How about this? Elijah Hughes, 39 points. I never know what to make of this stuff with these guys in the G League and these enorm- enormous numbers. You know, what's his face? Uh, Butler had a huge game. I think it was their first game. Elijah Hughes, second-round pick uh, a year ago, a couple years ago now. He's in his second year with 39. What does it mean? Anybody got an idea? I remember years ago, the Jazz drafted a kid out of, was it Rice, Morris, Allman? Yep, he put the up some G big League numbers. superstar himself. Yeah, is that what it was? Yeah, you get that. Uh, they talk about those guys in AAA, uh, some of them who have been really good in AAA but couldn't get it going in the major leagues. So they're like, uh, what, 4A players they talk about? I don't know if that's what these guys are. Elijah Hughes, certainly eye-catching 39 points. Does it mean anything? Can he develop? Well, I'm not going to put a ceiling on somebody. Let that uh, take care of itself. But it certainly caught my eye. All right, that's the Jazz and your Salt Lake City Stars report right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Hashtag NBA. Here's Tyler. Shoots one. I mean, snaps it. Rips it. No rim, no glass, just net. He's got 30. Walker, front court left, at the right wing. Bounce to Randall, wide open straight on three. Is good. And the two-man game from Walker and Randall working that time. Ball stripped out of the hands of Barton, picked up by CJ in the open court. Slows it down, gives it to Dave for eight-pointer. Buries it! Lasers lead by 11! Powell backwards to Doncic against Hartenstein. Stepping back from the hash mark. Got it! That is your night in the NBA, light night, a couple nights before Thanksgiving. Uh, the Blazers beating the watered-down Nuggets, who get even more bad news because this morning I uh, didn't pay attention to the end of the game. I went to bed after the RSL 
And I see that their uh, player, P.J. Dozier, they think that might be lost to an ACL tear, which is not good as they continue to lose guys left and right. They're now, well, I don't think Dozier's a starter, but uh, they're already without three starters with obviously Jokic and, uh, what's his face, Murray and Porter. Porter potentially saying the season. If Dozier's got the torn ACL, then yeah, well, that's probably the same thing there. So the Blazers get them, the two big guys, not big, but big players on the roster. The guards, McCollum and Lillard had big shooting nights, and so they win. Then do they go right to that? If they shoot well, they win. So the Nuggets, man, this might not be their year. They just might not have the health the whole time. Speaking of health, Luka Doncic returns for Dallas, and he makes a difference. They beat the Clippers 112-104, and Doncic returns and looks really good. No surprise there, right? 26, 9, and 9. He's an outstanding player. The big game of the night. LeBron less James, not there. No LeBron James for the Lakers. And they lose. They were down 25, I think it was. Came back to tie it. And the Knicks prevail by six in the end. As the Lakers, I think they fall a game below 500 right now. And the Knicks move a couple of games up. And the Heat hit Pistons, Tyler Hero with 31 points off the bench. Nice pick for them. All right, that's your NBA right here on 97.5, 1280 of the zone. Hashtag college basketball. Bernard misses the jump shot. Another rebound for the Bulldogs. This time it's Timmy who pulls it down to Nemard. He's flying down the floor again. Nemard to the rim, and he scores one more time. Andrew Nemard is rolling. Juzang back to Johnson on the pick and roll. Holmgren comes over, blocks the shot, and his back gets around. Johnson hammers home a two-handed highlight real dunk. Nemard dribbles the clock down. Screen from Timmy. Pass right side home gritty. Catches and shoots. The three from the right side is good. There you go, man. How about the Gonzaga Bulldogs? How about the West Coast Conference? No wonder BYU wants out, huh? West Coast, you've got, well, give you St. Mary's just beating up on Oregon who just struggled offensively so much. Maybe Oregon's overrated. I don't know if you're a BYU fan. What do you think about that? Because Oregon would help your power ranking, but you're going to play St. Mary's a couple of times when conference season gets here in uh, several weeks. So St. Mary's looking pretty good there. Gonzaga looking absolutely awesome. I was excited for that game, and it was pretty much a blowout. A little slow start, but then a few minutes into it, the Zags just built a 20-point lead, and that's basically where it stood, and it literally was the difference in the game, 83-63. to 63. Uh, Nemhard, who is not considered their top two players, that'd be Timmy and the string bean, the draft dude, Holmgren, the freshman. Uh, but Nemhard's been around and he looked good himself, and the whole team looked absolutely awesome. As number one, Gonzaga just beats the Bruins of UC Los Angeles by 20 in Vegas. Really, really worked him. Holmgren with that uh, behind the back, uh, then go up and dunk it. And he's supposed to be the number one recruit. I imagine he'll be one and done. Why would he stay beyond that? So, but then Gonzaga just continues to reload. They're going to be tough, really tough. They've already beaten uh, Texas, so I think it was ranked like 12th or 13th. They beat up on them by 12. And then they got the Bruins at number two. They got Duke, I think, on Friday. As their non-conference schedule surely is really, really good, as they usually do. 
Locally, we've got Southern Utah. They beat Yale by three in overtime. Tevian Jones, 24 points, man. What a player, that Jones. And today, they're going to play, play Bowling Green at 11.30. we got UVUs off to a four-and-one start. Looking pretty good. they got Nichols at 3.30. And the Cougars, number 18, the Cougars. Texas Southern. So they should move to 5-0. And that game is tonight at 7 o'clock. You can watch it on BYU TV. For those of you who are so inclined, 9 p.m. Eastern. And it's your college hoop right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Hashtag NFL. Did you stove your, stub your toe? You were walking around with COVID. Bang! Is that what happened out there? Look, Pat, I've already talked enough about on this show about my uh, medical uh, status and other ways. So, <laughs> I've given you enough information at this point. I have a t- injury that's not going away, and I'm going to be dealing with it for at least the next few weeks. That's Aaron Rodgers on that Pat McAfee show. This Pat McAfee's made a name for himself but, uh, with those interviews, especially with Aaron Rodgers, right? And McAfee usually has like a muscle shirt on or something. Uh, when he's doing the interviews, because yep. it's uh, available, uh, he's uh, charismatic. He's not your traditional uh, interview journalist guy, obviously, not not at all. And so he's got a lot of personality there. And Aaron Rodgers talking about this toe injury, and he talked about it the other day too, is that it's there and it's bothering him, and it's going to continue to bother him. Yeah, I believe it. I don't think Aaron's making this up. I think that's what they have to deal with. So many guys are dealing with something, one thing or another, or multiple things or others. So we'll see how the pack does with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I think he can. if he can get out there and play, he's going to find ways to beat you. That's for sure, because he's really, really good. Uh, the Jets, how about this, man? Zach Wilson is going to be back. Well, I don't know that they really have a choice because... What was it? Uh, white tested positive. Correct. And then Flacco's got the close contact. What do they call it? The contact tracing? Yep. Yeah. I had to sit out. I did the shows from home for a week uh, a couple of months ago because I was involved in that. So Zach is back. Uh, who do they play? They play a dog team this week. They play the Texans, don't they? I believe you are correct. Yeah. So Texans, although they won last week. And the Jets have a couple of victories. We'll see. Now, Zach has missed a month, right? He missed four games. Yep. Uh, I'm rooting for the kid. Hope he does well. You know, listen to national shows. I got the satellite radio in my car. Flick around. There's a dozen of them. And some people thinking that, okay, he's a bust, blah, blah, blah. We'll see. I hope he's not. I hope he's not a bust. I hope he does well. I'm rooting for him. I like him. And uh, get a chance to get back in there after a month off. And I would think that uh, he used that month wisely uh, to get himself even more prepared. Now, let's, before we even come close to making any proclamation, we got to give him at least a couple of years. Josh Johnson being elevated from the practice squad. Tennessee, three games into his stint, they wave Adrian Peterson. He's getting up there, so I don't know what's going to happen to him. He was uh, with them for three games. Scored a touchdown. What was it uh, against the Rams? Yep, first game with them, November 9th. Yeah, and then we got the traditional uh, Cowboys and Lions. Lions play the Bears. Do the Cowboys play them all? Cowboys are playing the Raiders. You'll hear right here on the Zone. Ah, there you go. Thanksgiving. We'll have Lincoln Kennedy coming up at the bottom of the hour to talk about that game. 
That's tradition, man. You've got to. Uh, I got to watch the parade. I watch the the Macy's Day parade. I hope they're having it this year. Nobody drives a car into it either. But uh, got to watch that. My mother watched it. She's gone now, and I did that growing up, watching the parade back east in Arizona, the two states she lived in, and uh, so I watched the parade, and then I'll begrudgingly watch the Lions. <laughs> It seemed like they've been awful for years and years. And then the Cowboys, right? Got to watch the Cowboys. Uh, and then eat. And then sleep and eat some more. That is my Thanksgiving Day agenda for you. What do you got going on? Uh, that's what we do. Watch football, right? And get together with family. Hope you all have a great day. Thanks for listening right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Hashtag college football. No need to hype it. I mean, it's the things we just talked about. I mean, this uh, it's a playoff game. It's a rivalry game. It's at the highest level. That's Jim Harbaugh, obviously. I totally agree. There really is no need to hype this thing. Michigan, Ohio State. This is huge. I think it's uh, huge for both programs, yeah. Ohio State, just how legit are you? You're number two. The poll came out last night, right? And they moved up. Uh, they, you know, they're sitting there right at number two. I don't have any problem with that. Uh, and they've got Michigan. And it's going to be a big game. And it is a playoff game in a sense. Winner can continue. Uh, loser is out. Because they'll each have a loss. Or uh, multiple losses then. Because they each have a loss right now. So, excited. And then, uh, I can make a case that if the Utes win next week in Vegas... That filled out my credential for that yesterday. Looking forward to that game. If the Utes win that game, we'll be we're blowing out the blowing out the budget, man. We'll be down there broadcasting for a couple of days too. Uh, several of our shows will be down there. I think three of our shows will be down there uh, next week. So if they win that, the loser of this game could be the opponent in the Rose Bowl. We'll have to see how that shakes out. As I said, the rankings, BYU moved up a spot. Can they get a New Year's Day 6? Think it's possible. Probably think it's a long shot. Rooting for it? Absolutely rooting for it. It's good for our business to have these teams do well. I'm a BYU homer, I admit. But the problem is, I'm also a Utah homer. (laughs) I got you both covered. Because you guys do well. People want to listen, and it's more fun to talk about winning than losing. So absolutely, I'm a BYU homer. I'm just not more of a homer for the Cougars than I am for the Utes. I homer for them both for selfish reasons and personal reasons. I'm not going to deny it. I like their coaches. Come on. Everybody knows that. There's no point hiding and pretending I'm some big, hard, tough guy uh, when it comes to that, when that's not the case. Uh, Cincinnati, number four. Yep. First group of five team to be that high. I think they deserve it, man. They're, I, I, I don't even know if I can call them the little guy. I guess they're the little guy by definition, but it seems stupid. I, I, and it really bugs me when we hear that mid-major term for football. Uh, Cincinnati, come on, man. They went into South Bend and won, and that's Notre Dame's only loss. Notre Dame just right on the outside. Can they get in? Yeah, I think they possibly could. 
Let's see what happens. Some big money being thrown out. Last year, man, these colleges were, oh, $30 million deficit, this and that. We need help. And I'm not just picking on BYU by any stretch because all this stuff that's out there with the pandemic and the games were canceled and yada, yada, on and on it goes. So what do we see? Penn State signing James Franklin to a 10-year deal. He's got making seven and a half mil through his base salary, and obviously there's other stuff linked into that, tied into that. You know, retention bonuses, additional incentives, bonuses for this, bonuses for that, free cars, country club memberships, and then you got Liberty, 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 giving you freeze. What four million bucks? Yeah, cry me the blues on money because they're sure handing it out, and then all these buyouts. College football salaries out of control. That's the way of the world. All right, 975, 1280 the zone. Hashtag Major League Baseball. How about this? Speaking of Monday, Wander Franco, and he's just a kid, and they this is he's with the Tampa Bay Rays, and they're doing what the Padres did last year to Titis. Tie him up. 12-year deal. $185 million, and it could go up to as much as $223 million if he reaches all the incentives. Small market, nobody goes to the game. Lousy stadium, Rays putting in just a kid who's got like 280 at-bats in the big leagues. You think he played 70-some games last year, somewhere along those lines? 70 right games, around. yep. Yeah, and, and, and uh, basically, uh, you know, that's uh, half a season, a little bit more. But they believe he's going to be a stud, so they just ink him to this massive 12-year deal. Same thing that the Padres did with Tatis. Now, I follow Tatis a little bit closer, so we'll see what happens there. I think Tatis is a star. If he can stay healthy, I'm wondering if the uh, Padres move him out of shortstop and just have him pick daisies in right field or something so he can stay healthy. And then MLB and the Players Union agreed to move the upcoming deadline to teams to offer contract to certain players in order to keep them out of potential limbo in the event of a work stoppage next month. Tender deadline has been moved from, it's been up about three days, from December 2nd to next week, November 3rd. No, December 2nd is next week, too. And it seems like they're going to have a work stoppage. And just disgust me, but that's the way the world goes with these things, with these labor uh, beefs between owners and players. I try not to get involved with it so it doesn't blow my love for sport. And speaking of my love for sport, Yaw, can we get to the beautiful game now? Hashtag RSL. Now with Juarez on Seattle's bench, Justin Glad at the age of 24 can knock Seattle out. And he does, it gets in. Fry got a piece, but it bounced across the line. RSL has knocked Seattle out of the playoffs. How about that? I am feeling glad all over. Oh, yes. Now, you may have noticed on PK, normally DJ takes the lead. Well, DJ, he just he can't be here today because he is still recovering, man. When he wakes up, Yak, is he going to have the um, just the ultimate headache if you yeah, get just, my drift? It's the hangover, all hangovers, <laughs> yep. I didn't want to use the word, but man. Uh, Hollywood's going to make a movie out of the way DJ feels right now because RSL in the most bizarre game I've ever watched, in the most bizarre sport I've ever watched, they literally took no shots on frame. Oh, yes, I love it when I speak soccer. (laughs) 
I'm, I'm so glad he's not here this morning so he can't interrupt me. I mean, no, no shots. They took zero. I only watched half the screen last night because the entire game was down on ourselves half. They hardly ever get down to the other side of the field. That's, there's no need to have a full screen. I don't know DJ has a big TV, but even he didn't need it. That is unbelievable. They took no shots. And what did the Seattle had 20-some shots? 21, officially. 21? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was 24, but it was 21, yeah. Our man, David the Dark Man Ochoa. What do they call him? David Ochoa, the Dark Arts. The Dark Arts, yeah, there it is. Yeah, the Dark Arts. Ochoa. And, I mean, he was injured. I thought they were going to have a stretcher. And if they would have had a stretcher for a goalkeeper, I would have turned it off right then and there. You're done. But he bounced point. up. He got up, man. He summoned the energy to stand up and swat away a few. And then they go into penalty kicks, and they beat him 6-5. to five. Glad's kick barely goes in. Yaku has to get in the office at 2 in the morning. He stayed up till 1.30 watching this game because he's two a devoted RSL fan. What am I off by, 20 minutes? No, by a couple hours, but okay, we'll go with it. <laughs> It's drama, man. This is soccer. We create drama. Yeah, well, good, good point. Yeah, see, we do create drama in that sport, there's no doubt. 34,000 strong in Seattle. Oh, my gosh. They lose the Sonics. The Seahawks aren't any good. And now the Sounders. See you freaking later. The Thunderbird Chief. They don't call it the Thunderbird Chiefs anymore because it's not politically correct. Pablo Mastrioni. Same high school as PK. We're brothers. He gets the win. He said, hey, man, I coached to win the game. That's the way it was, man. Roos knock out. What do you get? Did he get tracing or has he got, got COVID? So he's he tested out. positive for COVID. You know, tested positive. That's right. He put that out there. Arguably, well, his top two or three player, if you want to say he's his best, I go with Demir. But nevertheless, what a win. Now they will get Sporting KC Sunday afternoon at 1 o'clock right there on A-freaking-B-C. Oh, man, it is great to be an RSL fan, and I've never been a bigger fan. How about that, Yak? I don't need DJ to talk soccer. Screw him. Yeah, keep it going. Yeah, forget him, man. And I do it for purity. I don't make any money off of it. So he's not here to interrupt me, and I'm doing it because I love the sport, not because I went up there and I realized I can make a dollar, so I'm going to jump on this. No, I had—I don't make a dime off of these guys. I'm not like him. I didn't maneuver backdoor ways for years so I could get the TV job. I am so glad he's not here to interrupt me so I can speak my mind when it comes to this stuff. Am I right, Yak? Yes, go right on ahead. There's no financial <laughs> implication on any of this. Make sure Jake send this to Jake Scott so he can hear it. Yes. He may not be up right now because we'll, it's still we'll, early. We'll get it to him. And he's got to be up late tonight. Uh, but he loves the manifesto when uh, DJ preached it. <laughs> he went on his soapbox. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That was so fun. I'm glad they won. I like the guy. I like the coach. And so now they move on. Oh, and we hate KC and they hate us. The drama in the postseason, it just only gets bigger with soccer. Yeah, I can talk soccer. 
I just don't wear it on my sleeve so I can win awards. Let me tell you about that. Get out of town right now. What is training brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing? There is no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. You can call them at 801-295-1690. 295-1690. That is Shamrock Plumbing. Okay, coming up right now when we come back, Lincoln Kennedy, who does the radio uh, color commentary with Brent Musburger. They get the Cowboys tomorrow. And the Pac-12 Network. He's a Pac-12 Network analyst. He calls games on Saturdays. Uh, and then he'll join us here coming up at 7.30, 8.05, a weekly visit from Riley Jensen. He's a college football insider, knows a ton, and he's a mental performance coach. And also from the Colorado Buffaloes beat writer for Buff Zone and the Boulder Daily Camera, Brian Howell. Talk about what the Buffs can do. They have any hope Friday afternoon when they come into Rice-Eccles to play the powerful Utah Utes. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. The Cougars hit the road for their final game of the regular season as they look to stay undefeated against Pac-12 opponents with a game in the Coliseum against USC. Catch the Cougar pregame show Saturday with the postgame show immediately following the game. Monday morning to the post-game press conference. Nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back in. Lincoln Kennedy going to join us, and he comes to us on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State Award winner Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer running for the entire month of November. Smart Rain is giving you free controllers along with a free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular hosting subscription. Please visit smartrain.net or call 877-346-3333. 877-346-3333. Lincoln DJ spending some family time. PK running the show. How are you this morning? Not bad, PK. Good to be with you. Happy uh, holidays uh, to you and all your listeners, and, and thanks for having me. Absolutely. We certainly enjoy it. Tons of stuff. Want to hit with the Utes. You know, they were favored by two or three points the other night. So it's not a big shock that they won. They're playing great ball. But how surprised were you to see the level of domination that the Utes had over the Ducks? Not really surprised. Um, You know, I, I felt Utah has been a physical team all season. They just need to find their rhythm, and they, I mean, they found it, you know, by obviously making their quarterback change earlier. Um, but then, you know, Ludwig got into a nice little rhythm with their multitude of backs, uh, the way they used their tight ends to play action games. Everything was clicking offensively. Defensively, I knew that they had, uh, you know, from the very start. Uh, but not very surprised. I, you know, there were a lot of people who talked up Oregon more than I did. I obviously was conflicted because – you know, um, I want the Pac-12 to have national recognition. I, I was certainly, you know, pleased that Oregon went back to Columbus and was able to beat Ohio State and take care of business, obviously, on national te- television. But I never really thought they were really the true, the, the, the true strength of the Pac-12. Um, and I always thought favorably of, of Utah, conversely. So, you know, I thought this was just one of two games. I expected these two teams to see each other in the Pac-12 championship. Um, Oregon State has been too inconsistent, even though I was high on them earlier in the year. So I don't 
don't know if Oregon State's going to be able to pull out the Civil War, but you know, I, I think Oregon, uh, you know, probably will probably be in an immediate allegiance, and I'm certainly proud of Utah. They're looking for their first opportunity to go to the Rose Bowl. Yeah, now this is a thing that just to me it just screams the need to expand playoff because you know if you look at it, well, Utah's lost three games. You know, if you but you're not involved like uh, we are. We know they made a quarterback change. We know right. that the offensive line was a little patchwork. I mean, they replaced, uh, they lost. Uh, the running back, Ty Jordan, and right. Tavion Thomas has taken off, and he had a little bit of a slow start after he got past Weaver. So the point I'm making is how much do you see Utah gelling to, to me? And I'm probably biased here because I'm a local guy, but I think that they are a top-10 team right now. Their record doesn't reflect it, but I'm talking about right now. I think they're playing some good football. Um, and I could probably, you could probably make an argument. I don't know what the top 10 is, but you can make an argument for, um, them to be in the top 10, especially as well as they're playing and getting things right. You know, the, the thing is, is that, you know, we are, I think we're still the only conference that plays nine conference games. And re- unlike some other conferences, the, the, the Pac-12 is not top heavy to me. I think there's a level of competition that's pretty even, um, for the most part throughout the conference. You know, for what it's worth, um, you know, thinking there's not really a dom, a true dominant quarterback in this conference, which is something that you don't normally always see uh, you know, it's that's not a yearly thing um, but for all for what it's worth you've got some very physical football teams and I think that's something the Pac-12 has been lacking for some time in order to compete on a national scale now where does this put us this puts us that you want to send your most physical team to meet the Big Ten champion probably going to be either Michigan or Ohio State depending on how the, the playoff goes um, and and then you want to be able to win, beat them, to also gain that national recognition to put you back in position next year to say that you can compete with the big boys. We've been lacking that for some time, and I think yeah. Utah would be a great representative to, to, to just that. Lincoln Kennedy joining us here on The Zone. And I was a kid coming of age when the Devils and the Cats go into the Pac-10, right? Mm-hmm. And so you know, I have a little bit of a familiarity with the conference going back. The Devils... Uh, People think that there was a transition period. Actually, there wasn't. They were pretty good in, in the conference, and they go to the Rose Bowl, I think, in their like eighth or ninth year in 86, the game being played in 87, right? But you look at it, Arizona's never gone. Right. Uh, there's been some other teams in my lifetime. Cal hasn't gone. Or, you know, the. the the Utes haven't gone. I understand that, but it's it's funky in that you play nine games and then you have that one game deal, and if you don't win it, you don't get to go. But yeah. my thought for you is that Utah here, uh, they're like ten years into it, and all this time where there's been so many coaching changes in the conference, the Utes still got the same dude, Kyle Whittingham, and you've been around him, you've been around this program, you're an offensive lineman, you know what toughness is about, you're speaking to it. But for me, this really, as he became the winningest coach in Utah football history, it's not like it's a crowning achievement because there's still work to be done. But the remarkable consistency that Kyle Whittingham has brought to this program, I have to believe you would agree with me, is just extremely impressive. 
consistency, the key word there was consistency, which is something you don't see in college sports. You see the transfer portal for the players. You see coaches jumping ship every now and then. But the consistency and the stability of the program has always been the same. Look, I've always known Utah football to be ground and pound. And even when they started trying to open things up with the passing game, it really didn't true, it truly look like them. It looked like somebody different trying to force feed something. Like it, like when um, you know Bill Callahan decided to go to Nebraska and try to open them up with a wide open offense. So, you know, I, I've seen that pillar of consistency throughout Utah football. And, yes, I, I respect it and I appreciate it because with that consistency, you know how they're going to recruit. You know what they're looking for on both sides of the ball. And you know that the, the, the consistency is going to be, you know, synonymous through the coaching. Look at his coaching tree and how it's affected just not only Utah schools but other schools. And it's something that – that I'm certainly fond of because it's something that I had a little bit of a you know history with you know being coached by Don James and his effect on Washington football program. Same thing I think about Whittingham and Utah's program. Yeah, good comparison right there. And you called the Washington Colorado game, I believe, on last Saturday, yeah. and the Buffs get the win. Uh, Buffs coming in here obviously uh, to play to close out the season. Uh, how do you handicap that? Oh well. You know, Washington, I think, had more twice as many yards as they did, but didn't have enough points. The turnovers killed them. Uh, Washington just just looked uh, bad. That's the only way I can put it, and I hate to say that as, as a proud alum, but they looked bad. Colorado's not very good. Um, I'm just going to cut it like it is. They're not very good. They're not. They're, they've got injuries on defense, um, and their their offense is truly inconsistent. You've seen flashes of it last week. They were putting some things together, but you know they, they're they're not very good. They're a work in progress, and I think you guys understand that. The one thing I will say this is is. What's unfortunate is how this rivalry is trying to be forced because, to me, rivalries are when you have competitions that go back and forth. A rivalry is not when it's completely one-sided. And, you know, I know what, you know, you you look around the rest of the conference, everyone has got their own rivalry, and everyone has their extended rivalry. But, you know, to be honest, in my opinion, Utah versus Colorado is not a rivalry. They're trying to force it, and I respect that, but it's not a rivalry. There you go, Lincoln Kennedy, Raider analyst, Pac-12 analyst, bringing it strong here this morning with DJ and PK. Uh, Got any news on what you think Washington may be interested in doing to get uh, their coach for the football program? No, it's it really is going to be tough because there's a lot of notable name and programs that are open out there. Um, I'm one of the alums who who, who you know, voiced my opinion and said I don't I'm not really wanting you to go for the the glamorous or the or the glitzy coach the big name I'm not really wanting to push that I want them to push somebody of credibility somebody of integrity somebody of respect like you guys have there at Utah Winningham like we had with Kit Peterson and Don James not to say that you know Jimmy Lake wasn't a man of respect but he just had a jaded past he couldn't escape from um, but yeah, I, I want somebody who's going to stand up for the true integrity of the program. And also want somebody who's going to be physical. I want to play physical football. I want to be like the Oregons and Utahs because I think that's really the only way that you could compete on a national scale. All this fluff and throwing around and, and, and trying to do all this you know, fancy stuff doesn't translate when the weather gets bad. You know, the, uh, Seattle's in the open, uh, Washington's open to the stadium. It doesn't transfer. It doesn't transpire when you have to go to places, uh, in tough places, and play like a lot of these Big Ten and SEC teams. So I want whoever they bring in as a man of integrity, a man of respect, and one who's going to create toughness in the program. And so do you think that 
uh, programs, there's a, a specific way to win. Say, like, if you're down at the University of Florida, whatever that is, you know, because obviously they let Mullen go, and right. so they've got an opening. And all the way across the country, you can't get any uh, more uh, distant away, a University of Washington. You believe right. that in order for Washington to be successful, there's a specific formula and a pattern that they have to follow? Yes. One like coach james had one like coach pete had and i said that because i I really i I think you have to understand the area in which your university or where you're coaching at and you have to understand what's surrounding the importance of recruiting the washington standards the recruiting the importance of recruiting the pacific northwest and controlling that area when you talk about how your team is built is important it's not only important for the image of the team the popularity of the team but it's also important for the integrity of the team it means it's something special when you've got you know homegrown guys who are who are playing for for Washington in that area, same can be said about Utah. How important is it for Utah to recruit the way they do? Not only to put you know the the, the Pacific Islanders uh, and for the Mormon Nation as that they have, but it, it also around the surrounding areas. I mean that's important, and that that helps build up the program, solidify the program. So. I do think that wherever you are, the region you are, you have to know not only love recruiting, but know how to recruit the area well, because that's going to be a base where you get your your, your guys from. And yeah. so when you talk about coaching and uh, moving forward, the integrity, the, the, the character that you build within the program is going to resonate. And then that's going to just sort of reverberate throughout the, the country or the world when you get a look at it. Georgia, right. the way Georgia started competing with Alabama, they started recruiting like Alabama. They, they, they got big guys like Alabama. They became a physical football like Alabama. For a time, Florida was the same way, especially when Urban Meyer was down there. They were, they were physical. They were, they were a team that could push you around, and they were also could, had enough speed to throw, and you can, you know, they had fast defenses. That's what you have to do when you're in those areas. So how about SC? Do you think because of the Hollywood thing and the celebrity that they got to go with the glitz and glamour? I think they do. I mean, you know, SC is one of those programs that's a, it's a, it's a front, it's a top five program, call it like it is. It is glitzy, glitzy and glamorous. If you have a less recognized guy in that position and he fails, there are going to be a lot of people who are going to point really quickly and really early that this shouldn't be, this isn't right, you need to fire him. And then you're back to square one. So um, I'm not saying that a glitzy guy is going to work, but I just think there are certain positions that deserve that and are probably going to have that more time than not. Lincoln Kennedy joins us. He also does the Raiders. Raiders losing to Cincinnati. Uh, they got the Cowboys. You view it, uh, I don't know if it's early or what. I don't know if I could say this, but I'll just get your thought on it. Is it a must win? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no doubt about it. You have a three-game slide, and, and if you're talking about the, the sort of um, uh, the congestion that is the AFC when it talks about the playoff picture, the Raiders not done themselves any favor. Uh, dropping the last three games. Not only are they dropping into Division One to Kansas City two weeks ago, but you know losing this last week to Cincinnati just makes it even more garbled. So you've got what seven games I think remaining. Uh, yeah, I would say the Raiders. If the Raiders have any aspirations of going to the playoffs, they have to win six out of those seven games. Oh really? Wow. Oh yeah. It, how how realistic is that? I mean, that's, not realistic that's a, at all, especially okay, the way they're okay. playing. <laughs> but you know, when we when we get to this time of season, we we always talk about must wins, especially in the pro game. This is these are must wins. You know, they it, you know, look, I came into this season saying that I thought the Raiders are going to be 
ten and seven or nine and eight. Um, and there were games that I looked at in the schedule, and especially when the season started playing, I was like, oh well, they'll be able to handle you know teams like the Bears or, or the Giants or the Bengals. You know, they're going to have some trouble with Kansas City, but it's not it's not unthinkable because they did split last season. Um, I think they can handle the Broncos and the Chargers. I think they can split. And then you look at some of those other games. Well, I, I knew they were going to have some trouble against the Cowboys because the Cowboys are physical coming into season. The Cowboys are physical. I didn't expect them to beat the Ravens. I didn't expect them to start the first month of football for three and one. You know, I didn't expect that. So I was giving them some cushion to lose some games to kind of find their way. But the team, some of the teams that they lost to, makes it even harder the teams that they have to beat or to beat. And it starts tomorrow when they they take on the Cowboys. Is there really a dominant team in the AFC? Mm, no, but there are there there are some good teams that have enough good players and enough good tools to win. I mean, I think yeah. when you look at it collectively, how the Patriots are coming together, it's surprising because they're doing it with a rookie quarterback. And I don't think anybody really expected that. But they've got a rhythm about them. And they've got, you know, you know what their defense is. Um, the Bills were expected to be that team that was supposed to be in the, a- the AFC Championship. They've taken a couple steps back because they've been just beat down by turnovers. Um, and it's other teams that, that necessarily surprising. Uh, well, I mean, not necessarily surprising like the Ravens. But you have you look at that conference. Everyone in that in that division, I should say, is over five hundred. So there's they're going to beat up on each other. There's no doubt about it. But I don't think there's a truly dominant team in the AFC. Yeah, I don't think so either. Well, we appreciate you joining us. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. I know you'll be working. Yeah. We'll catch up with you next week. Sounds good. You guys be safe and enjoy your holiday. All right. That's Lincoln Kenny, Raider analyst, Pac-12 analyst, University of Washington alum, college football Hall of Famer, big pitcher, big uh, what was the poster or whatever you want to call it, big picture of him hanging outside a Husky Stadium if you ever get up there. I've been up there a few times with the Utes and the Cougars for that matter. Uh, we sure appreciate him joining us each week. Coming up at the top of the hour, our local expert, Riley Jensen. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. James Empey, BYU Center. Tell me a little bit more about Tyler Algier. still bizarre to me that this guy was a linebacker a couple years ago. I remember his first year came in, he was playing running back, and they wanted to try him out on uh, defense a little bit, and he was making plays and, and running around the field, and I think he sees the game really well, and he has a good feel for what's going on, a lot of intuition there. And then towards the end of that year, they're like, well, we're thin at running back again. Hey, do you want to come back? And he comes back, and he's running people over. He's running out of his shoes. He's making moves. He's, he's doing a lot. So ever since day one, he's just progressed and gotten better and has earned everything he's been given and and has shown why you know he deserves to be on the field and why he deserves the carries that he's getting and he makes the o-line look really good what kind of a show is this catch hans olsen and scotty g every day from noon to three on 97.5 1280 the zone powered by kslsports.com Moved it up a segment since we had lincoln kennedy but right now it's hot takes or toast and it's brought to you by utah facial plastics are you losing your hair come on no need to lose your hair it's 2021 and you don't have to ufp hair restoration offers a range of cutting edge therapies to restore thick hair permanently all you gotta do is text hair h-a-i-r to 801-960-3137 Get 15% off any hair loss treatment, or you can visit www.utahhairmd.com.
Com. All right, Yakamami, it's time. The annual awards. Who gets your Turkey of the Year award? Oh, Who are some geez. nominees for Turkey of the Year in 2021? I got one as fresh your as t- last night's headlines. Who? Freddie Juarez, former artist. He's RSL. a turkey? He'd be a turkey for <laughs> banning in the club midseason to go to their in-conference rival. Uh, how about that, man? That's crazy. That is like uh, he was with Arcel, the head coach, obviously, or manager, Correct. whatever they call him. Yeah. And then he goes up to Seattle to be an assistant in the season. I mean, that's that's foreign. I think I think some people will just look at that, especially Americans I'm speaking of, and those who aren't into soccer. They go, what the heck? That just doesn't happen. You don't do that. Uh, we don't. We, we've seen now in colleges – where coaches are losing jobs and getting other jobs in sure. season, or uh, Texas Tech, right? Uh, their coach, where was he? Where did he come from? Joey McGuire, the new head coach. Yeah, he, Baylor. He's ba- he's Baylor's ba- associate head coach. Right, and so then he moves over in the season. So that's happening more and more, which was still odd. But I don't think that we ever have seen a head coach resign and become an assistant and i think that gives soccer a little bit of a bad name because we think oh that's a freak sport for those of you who aren't into that uh but it's almost like the and then they play each other in the first round and they have the bizarre one of the more bizarre games i've ever seen in my life with rsl not scoring or not even attempting a shot let alone scoring and then they win in the six to five penalty kicks deal there and the kick barely goes in but it goes in they win ochoa gets a stop they win the they win the game, they move on. But it's almost like uh, it's an NCA thing where they'll say, you know, we don't orchestrate matchups for storylines. And sure enough, you have that storyline, and uh, Arcel comes out with the win. So we got one nominee, Freddie Juarez, Turkey O Year. Turkey of the Year. Uh, I put it on Facebook. Charlie Brewer, Turkey of the Year. Now that is really bizarre, too. That is a bizarre one, yeah. Yeah, think about that. He comes over. Uh, I, I, I don't know if you knew, but DJ was really impressed with that spring game that he had. I had an inkling of that. <laughs> uh, it's fun to make fun of Sniggy. He's a good sport. <laughs> what was he? He was like 77 for 77 in that spring game, man. Something beat, to that effect, yeah. Beat Zach Wilson's record in the bowl game. Uh, didn't throw an incomplete pass. <laughs> Comes over from Houston or uh, Baylor, I should say. And what did he do? He threw for I think he threw for four hundred and fifty-seven thousand yards at Baylor. I mean, he's just unbelievable at Baylor. And then he starts. Man, they really blew it by starting him. They could be in playoff contention right now. Serious playoff contention. I mean, literally serious playoff contention if they would have gone with Rising. I don't know that, but. That's the beauty of sports is you can just you can make an argument for that. I can't I can't say that, uh, but you'd think so uh, anyway. Uh, and yeah, and then he quit. He quits, man. Uh, we've got the usuals. Um, LeBron. People just don't like LeBron. He's a lightning rod. He's LeBron. a punching bag too, as well. Yeah. Had to sit out last night against the Knicks in the Garden. I'm sure people paid. Big money to see him play, but he gets the one-game suspension. A lot of debate. Did you see uh, – I didn't see it because it's on during our show, but I saw it afterward. J.J. Redick 
is now on doing one of their debate things with our guy Stephen A. Smith, uh-huh. and he said, uh, Reddick said, I don't know if I can believe that you can believe what you're saying. Uh, and he kind of backed Smith into a so corner. So funny. Then he pulls the I played, you didn't card. And that's great if you want to play that. But I guess you're able to do that if that's all you're going to do is talk about the NBA. And I guess that's all J.J. Redick is going to talk about. Because if you play, if you pull the I played card, well, there's other sports you didn't play. So you got to be quiet then uh, if you want to go that way. But I think that's what they're bringing Redick on to do is to talk back talk basketball so there you go we got some other nom- if you got nominees send them to me we'll hit it again at 8 30 riley jensen's coming up who should be turkey of the year on this day before thanksgiving uh i'm gonna do my thing where i can look at my twitter uh pk kinahan yak what's yours at jacob c hatch yeah or you could leave it on our app uh, you can call whatever you want to do get your feedback who is should be nominated for turkey of the year riley jensen he's not a turkey he's an excellent football analyst mental performance coach coming up next stay with us 97.5 1280 the zone